Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Well, welcome. It's wonderful to have you all here. Welcome the world to listen to us today. This is Second Wind. And Second Wind, as you know, for those first-time listeners, we're going to share that Second Wind is a program focused at women and all of the different transitions that we go through in our lifetime, which are many, right Some of them we like, some of them we're not quite sure because they're kind of placed on us. They can be about job change. They can be about divorce. They can be about death, empty nest, many changes, dealing with senior parents. Um, All of these changes affect our world, and we have to adapt to a new situation. So when I was going through my divorce and I began my healing, I wanted to share this message and have opportunities for great women and men to come and lend their information so that the listeners can hear what what they have to offer us. Well, today is no exception. I have a fabulous guest today. And Before I introduce her, I want to tell you, we are going to be talking about marriages because that is something that kind of affects us all, doesn't it? And I wanted to get some statistics to give you. This is what I found about marriages. 50% of first marriages end in divorce. A hundred divorces every hour in the United States. Shocking numbers. Shocking numbers. The first marriages end in divorce usually last, they usually last about eight years. A 15-year study found that persons' happiness level before marriage was the best predictor of happiness after. In other words, marriage won't automatically make you happy. Now, I know my guests and I are going to have a great time talking about that. But before I I introduce my guest, I want to say that we met in a very interesting way. We met in Atlanta at a workshop, and I was immediately drawn to this woman because of her dynamic personality. She's fun. She loves life, and it's very evident she's very pleasant to be with. So I welcome today to the stage 
to this stage, oh, just a minute, my guest, who is Dr. Arcella Trimble. Dr. Arcella is a licensed psychologist, life coach, behavioral specialist, master teacher, and speaker. Dr. Trimble specializes in working with couples and parents. In her 20-year career, she has served over 4,000 children and families. Dr. Trimble is a graduate of Spelman College, Georgia State University, and the University of Southern Mississippi. During her tenure at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, Kennedy Krieger Institute, Dr. Trimble provided parent training and family therapy from a behavioral perspective. Dr. Trimble is the author of the new book, It's Not Your Kid, It's You. Additional, Dr. Trimble is the co-founder of Masterpiece Institute, which is a primary training center for therapists and coaches. Dr. Trimble resides in San Diego, California, and is the proud mother of two children. Welcome, Dr. Trimble. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm delighted that you're here because you have two of the most interesting topics to talk about today, (laughs) marriage and children, families. So if it's okay with you, may I call you Dr. Arcella as we go through this? Oh, that's fine. Oh, good, 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 good. Well, some of those statistics that I wanted to start off with are just absolutely shocking to know how high those numbers have gotten in the last few years. It's just it's staggering to me because, you know, I just live in my little old world. You work with a broad spectrum of people, so you may be more aware of this. Do you find the numbers, are you, do these shock you at all? No, not really. Not really. And and what's happening uh, for me, which is the reason why I'm doing the media stuff, is um, as I was sitting on the couch, I was realizing, oh, my gosh, it's getting worse. Like uh-huh. I'm starting to see more and more people. And at first I thought, oh, it's great. People are coming to therapy. But actually I'm like, oh, no, people are having more issues with this. Right. And, um, yeah. you know, so and it's two of the more most important relationships that we have. You know, parenting and relationships are huge. I know. Endeavors for humans. Yeah. And I yeah. think the issue with those statistics are that people think that marriage, like, you know, we fall in love and marriage is just a passive activity, mm-hmm. but it's actually very active. Yeah. And so we have to do something to change those numbers. Well, you know, it said in 1990, between 1990, 1970, 1990, that there were 50-fold more therapists coming on. So you're going to have help out there, Mm -hmm. it sounds like. But we're going to need a lot of people. We just grow and just so many people are in trouble, uh, are having issues, let's say, with their marriage. And I, too, was like one of those that didn't really understand the importance of putting in time, quality time, and and uh, it just doesn't keep its zip as you go through in, in the years. But when you go into counseling with somebody, bef- when does the counseling really start? If we're smart, it starts 
even before we get married, right? Right. Yeah, that premarital counseling is really important. And what's interesting, though, is it's usually not either done or it's not done properly. Right. So I can remember, you know, my premarital experience literally was at the kitchen table in my apartment. I was 23 years old. We're sitting there, and I also was seven months pregnant, by the way. And we're sitting at the kitchen table. The minister, which I have nothing against ministers, love ministers, came to the house, and he says two questions. He says, do you love each other? And we both look like, yeah, you know, in a 23-year-old way of love. And then he said, are you all getting married because you're pregnant? And we both said no, but we realized uh, probably so. We probably yeah. would have been getting married. And yeah. then finally he was saying, okay, love each other, don't cheat on each other, and stay friends. And that was all I remember. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah. It, it, so you got yeah, that so one they, session. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was it. And it wasn't even, if, if it was an hour, I don't even think so. Yeah. Well, my my situation was very similar in that we did meet in the minister's office, but this was about 40 years ago, so let's please, let's give him a little <laughs> reprieve here. But uh, we talked about, I remember one question he asked my ex-husband is, do you know how much a blouse costs for me? And, of course, he had no idea. So we did talk about money, I guess. (laughs) One of the biggest problems or one of the issues that we all seem to have um, problems with, issues with. But that, how long does that bliss stage that when somebody goes into marriage actually last for a couple? Can you kind of give us a rough di- I know it's not that you can't put this in concrete, but there's probably a little bit I maybe 3 years would that be a fair statement? Uh, yeah, if we start off correctly. Cuz now I'm finding that that when people are coming for premarital counseling, they have a lot of issues already. So they haven't even gotten to the marriage. So, or they're newlyweds, so that first year is very difficult, especially if they weren't together. Like I've had also with the advent of the Internet, people uh-huh. are meeting in other states and then coming together, but they haven't been together in the same place long enough to get along and to uh-huh. learn about each other. So I don't know. It, it just varies depending on all the the interactions that they had prior to the marriage. But if they did have good interaction, good premarital therapy, yes, about three years is, is correct, yeah. And then they start having primarily what issues? Anything? Uh, well, usually it's, it's three primary issues, and I'm sure we can talk about each of them, but it's primary it's issues with communication, it's issues with intimacy, and it's issues with trust. Ah. Uh. Okay. <clears throat> well, so as part of your practice now, that's part of your practice to offer Yeah, pre- yeah, actually, so we do premarital counseling, which is seven weeks of really? seven weeks. Yeah, and we talk about all of the major issues that people face in marriages. So we talk about money, we talk about children, we talk about infidelity, in-laws. We talk about a lot of different issues. And what you'll be surprised to find out is, first of all, a lot of people haven't talked about these things. And a lot of people have different viewpoints that they didn't even know that the other person had. So (laughs) 
it's really, really interesting. So. so you said something to me once about a game that you like to play with them that sort of um, brings this to uh, reality right there in your office. What's the game? Yeah, well, what I found is that what's interesting is I actually love men when they come to therapy because men are pretty straightforward, concrete. They're like, okay, I'll say, you know, this is this, and they're like, okay, Dr. Trimble, and they'll do it, you know, Dr. Osola, we'll do it this way. Whereas women are much more complicated. They want to talk about it, and they want to process it. And so what I do for both of them to be satisfied is I have these paddles. They're dry erase paddles. And I ask the questions, and I have each person write their answer on the paddle. So we don't say it out loud because once you start talking out loud with couples, you find that they may change their answer or may oh. not articulate what they want to articulate. So right. we have them write on paddles, and then they show the answers. And you'd be surprised when they look at each other's answers like, really? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so we do a lot of experiential stuff. So, So give us a suggestion of what some of those questions would be. We ask, one of the biggest questions that I ask mm-hmm. is, if the person never changes, would you still marry them? Or would you still want to be with them, even if you're already married? And uh, that question is important because what, what happens is we end up, Joyce, we end up picking people who we think are we, we're compatible with, but actually most of the time we pick people who are opposite of us. Yeah. We pick people who have a place or do, or do things that we don't normally do for ourselves. So if we're not good with money, we pick somebody who is good with money. If we're not very outgoing, we usually pick somebody who is really fearless. Yeah. If we're quiet, yeah. we usually pick the outspoken person. Mm-hmm. And so what we usually do with that is I show them, okay, let's talk about our compatibility. Let's figure out what we need to do with this, and then how do we, you know, fix all the things that we need to fix based on this. So um, the questions that I ask is that the person never changes because by the time that they get to talking about these issues, they realize, "Uh uh-oh, we may not be as compatible as we thought, and this stuff will change when we get married, though. So I'm going to go ahead and do it, but no, it doesn't. Most people do not change. Do you encourage huh? the opposite to marry or more uh, Not really. I, not I think really. that from the experience that I've had, it's better to have somebody who you pick somebody who is as close as possible to what you want because you will live with that person forever. So why would you pick somebody that you would have to change or you would want to change? Or we would have to change to live with, right? Exactly. And most people don't change, so you don't change, and they don't change. (laughs) Yeah, it's difficult. Well, I was very naive in thinking, well, if he loved me, he would change. Yeah, no. And he thought the same way, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we call the psychological contracts, which is another thing that we talk to couples about. In our minds, we have an idea of what we think our partner will be like. You know, my wife is going to do this, and she's going to be this way, and she's going to do, and my husband's going to be this way. And the crazy part is most of the time we don't even tell each other what our contracts are, (laughs) right? So in in your head, you're like, oh, he's going to love me, and he's going to change for me. That's a psychological contract that most people don't fulfill. They don't. No. Oh, Marcella, I would so, Dr. Marcella, I'm sorry, I learned, I, 
I was married to Arcella. I was. I even changed your name. I was. <laughs> That's okay. I was with her for three days, and I just uh, didn't use that doctor at all. So you'll have to excuse me when I drop you it. You can I'll try call me Arcella. It does whatever's easier for you. <laughs> but listeners, when you call her because you want to talk to her and have her help you in your marriage, or or when you're thinking, or your daughter is thinking about getting married, she needs to talk to Doctor Arcella. <laughs> Because we need these sessions. They are so important. Not setting us up for false uh, expectations of what marriage really is. You know, Mm -hmm. I really had a false expectation. I don't, and I would think most people do. But this is the thing, Joyce. You could actually have your expectations met if you discuss them. Oh, darn. Really? Yeah, yeah, I know oh. that sounds like deep and profound, but you really can <laughs> If you sat down and said, hey, my expectations are this, and he uh-huh. told you your his expe- expectations were this, you all could have maybe met in the middle somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or made a decision, oh, this may not be the best, because, maybe. again, most people don't change. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. Oh, I had a question on my mind, and it went away. Oh, Hmm. Well, anyway, um, what's another prep question that you have that most people are surprised that you ask? Um, I ask the couples who are married if they want to be married. Mm. And it's so funny because I had a couple not too long ago, and I asked that question, and the wife immediately said yes. And the husband, and I have, you know, they sit side by side. So the husband's eyes kind of turned up in the corner. <laughs> he mm-hmm. kind of looked up. And it took him a minute to respond. And she finally said, hey, I need, you know, where's your response? And I just looked at him, and I realized, okay, that's, that could be telling us something here. Because it took a right. lot. And he finally said yes, but it, was, it wasn't like yes. It was, yeah, you know, that kind <laughs> of thing. But so, that, was a, that was a couple hmm. that was already married. Right. Yes, already married. Yeah, already married. Mm-hmm. So they were coming yeah. back in. Uh, how many of your young couples that come in for uh, consultation actually don't marry after they go through that six weeks class? Uh, so far, when I look back at the numbers, it's mm-hmm. probably about thirty percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it would be all for the good. I mean, it could save them lots of grief later in life. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the percentage probably should be higher based on some of the discussions we have, but people go ahead and they do it anyway. Uh-huh. And um, for what it's a lot of reasons, actually, that people decide to. Some is financial. Some is, you know, we've invested all this time in the relationship. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, and it usually is for the best. Well, you know, I'll have to say, I'll say this about my daughter. I had a daughter, Mary, this year, and um, she was engaged once before, and it just got away from her. I thought she was happy, but come closer to the event, probably about two months out, she came to me and said, I just can't go through with this, and she was... Um, you know, of course she was feeling, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, I'm so ashamed I did this. Oh, I'm just, and I just 
was so proud of her to have stepped up and to have faced something that was, uh, I'm sure to her, felt very um, <laughs> uh, last minute or maybe not thought the decision not thought through. But she really did think through that, should I, shouldn't I, and came mm-hmm. up with the shouldn't. And I thought that took great courage. Yeah, it did. It did. And it's a lot of people. And, and like you said, the wedding is already planned and things like mm-hmm. that. So you'll find people are like, oh, I can't cancel it. But, yeah, you can because, you know, this is your life. This is a whole lifetime. If you decide to do this, it, it can be a lifelong commitment or really should be a lifelong commitment to make it work in the long term. Yeah. So if you're not sure, then, yeah, she did She did an excellent job. Yes, I think we lost a few deposits on that. But, you know, in the, <laughs> in the long run, it's a cheap price. <laughs> yes, exactly. For sure, yes. And a year later, she is married and very happily married to, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. to her. But they did not have pre-counseling. Wow. So, and uh, so we will see. We will see, mm-hmm. won't we? But anyway, yes. we'll hope that their love is strong enough to step through all of the different changes that they're going to experience. Now, you. this is a part of how you help your clients. But then also you work with people that are, struggling through marriages or have issues that have popped up in their marriages. And so you briefly spoke to that they commonly fall in three different areas, and they were Mm -hmm. what? Communication, intimacy, and trust. Okay, when we're talking about communication, what do you, what do you, we just don't sit down and talk enough? <laughs> Actually, it? well, I don't know. Some, some of our women, I, I have to talk to them because they talk a little too much sometimes. Because <laughs> what, what, what happens is, and that goes back to when we talked about the psychological contract, in the beginning we do not discuss the important issues that we need to discuss. Right. So we just assume these things are going to happen in our marriage. And what's interesting is usually the assumptions that we have or the contracts we have come from either watching our parents or watching other marriages. And Mm -hmm. so we bring those into our own instead of establishing our own marital patterns and our own marital plan together. Right. So with the communication, if we don't discuss, most times we don't see uh, couples discussing these issues until they come up, until they're an issue. And we know it's more difficult to discuss something once is a problem than right. it is before is a problem. Because well, now, by that time, we want to, you know, get our own sides and everything. Well, can, how can they, you know, we learn from childhood different beliefs, okay? Uh, one of my beliefs was that the husband took care of the car, okay? That's just mm-hmm. a simple example of mine. I married a man that really didn't know about a car, okay? He, mm-hmm. did, he knew how to turn it on and turn it off. And that's a very simple, easy one to, you know, handle because when I had trouble with my car, I called a repairman mm-hmm. where my father always went out and worked on the car. So that was a really simple one. 
But how do people change beliefs like that, Dr. Arostella? Well, see, now, I just want to address that real quick. So you're saying that's simple, but actually it's not simple because that adds up. Those little tiny things add up. You know, <laughs> if he does something big, you're like, and you don't even fix the car. You know, you can't even fix the car. Oh. You're supposed to fix the car. You, yep. you see? Mm-hmm. So it's usually it's those little tiny things like that that come together to make something big. Mm-hmm. Oh. You see? But sort of like we you, collect you them. Yeah, yeah, because that still was a part of what you thought a man or a husband should do. Uh Uh-huh. And so he lacked what you thought he should do. Even though you could fix it, you still in your mind wanted him to be able to do that. Right. And so I would say how to solve that is, again, picking somebody who is more like what you want. Uh, More like what we want or what we're used to. See, now that's a good question. So then that goes even further back then is figuring out what you want. Yeah. So with a lot of women that I have that come through, because I do a lot of life coaching with women, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of women's retreats, I mm-hmm. talk to the women about what is it that you want in a relationship? Right. What is it that you want from a, your partner and things like that? And usually we actually have them list out, I want a man who fixes cars, I want a man. And it's not, and, and sometimes, you know, people think, oh, well, that's so specific that you can't get what you want. or You know, and I'm not saying we say they're six foot four and brown eyes. I'm not saying that specific, but there are certain personality characteristics yeah. and certain just activities that they do that we are going to want them to do. Right, And so it's okay to write that down and share that with somebody. And, and if you had to share that with your husband, you never know. He might have, you know, done a little more with that. Did he call the repair person or did you call the repair person? So even if he might not have fixed the car himself, he might at least said, oh, the car's messed up, let me call the repair person. Marcella, he did not call the repair person. <laughs> and did you ever tell him, though, that you thought that was his responsibility? No, you know, I just, I am mm-hmm. such a uh, take charge person mm-hmm. that I just got that, okay, he's not going to do that, okay, I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. that type right. of thing. Yeah. And that goes back to the communication. Yeah. So we yeah. didn't tell him that that's something that we wanted from him. Right. So how could he do it? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I have a couple of things that are going off in my mind, but... Um, when you have this is when you have your retreats, are they for women finding mates? Or are they just a general uh, retreat? Do you have different ones? They're what we call therapeutic retreats, and uh-huh. so what we do they're, they're called masterpiece retreats, and we call it masterpiece because it's women recognizing their worth is the mm-hmm. tagline. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a masterpiece is the greatest work of art in the artist collection. And right. so we we talk about all issues related to women that are important. So we talk about relationships. We talk about sex. We talk about intimacy. We talk about work, uh, mm-hmm. finances. So we talk about everything. And the goal is, and we do a lot of cool work that I don't want to say because I usually keep that a secret. Right. <laughs> we do a lot of cool activities with the women so that they can come back and be better a better version uh-huh. of themselves. Oh, so that's that when they great. grow up in relationships and at work and in the, and you know all that and parenting, they will be better. Yeah, right. Okay, so when if my listeners want to go to one of your master workshops, how do they find the dates and so forth? 
Well, we are, you know, I'm in the process of changing all that, but the next retreat is going to be in April in San Diego. Hey! So, yeah, so we're getting all that together. So if they come and they email, I think you're going to, I guess you'll give my email address or something. Yeah, they give can it to us contact now. me. Give it to um, us now. Why don't you just give it, it to us now? Right now it's Dr. Trimble, so drtrimble at peakdg.com. That's Dr. Trimble at peakdg.com. And all of that, they're redoing everything for us. So we're going to have all that up and running. And Oh, that's awesome. Everything. Yeah. Well, all right. Now, back to another one of this. So um, communication, that's pretty important. <laughs> pretty important. I can see that this is probably... Very important, isn't mm-hmm. it? And I wanted to say one thing about it that I have to work, a lot of work that I do with women mm-hmm. in terms of communication. Uh-huh. What happens is women are very good at processing verbally. So when we are in a discussion, yes. <laughs> whether it's heated or not, we tend to talk quickly and we tend to add a lot of information when we talk. Yeah. And so we find that our partners, um, especially if they're men, don't they're not able to process as fast. And I'm not saying they're not intelligent or anything, but they are trying even if they want to help you and want to discuss it with you, women tend to put a lot of information in one conversation and so they don't know where to start. So with the women, what I tell women is 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 three things that I tell them to do when they're talking. I say, decide what points you want to make. So before you even have the conversation, decide what is your main point that you want to say. Stay present, which means we're not going to go back and bring something up that happened 10 years ago. You know, you didn't do this today. That's like when 10 years ago when you didn't do it. We just stay present. And the third thing is don't talk longer than 15 minutes. Oh. Once you talk within 15 minutes, you have to be quiet because a lot of times women say, hey, now say something, say something, and then the men started talking and we talk over them. Oh, so we yeah. can't do that. So anyway, that's what I, I – I, In my fact-finding, I found this one. And, you know, I, when, when I read it, I thought of this very point. A 99-year-old man divorced his 96-year-old wife after 77 years of marriage because he discovered an affair she had in 1940s. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Can you believe? Oh, my gosh. The human race. We are a fun, fun race. Well, well, I can see where we just talk. You know, one thing is men like to fix things. They may not mm-hmm. fix cars, but they like to fix things. <laughs> I had a fixer, and I many times just wanted him to listen to me vent. Do you mm-hmm. have that a lot? Is that yes? Is that and that's, that's what I would say for, for the men. men. Do men do that? Do they just sit there and listen to us vent? Yes, but again, it depends on how we do it. Because oh. you also have to understand. And I tell the men, you have to understand, women are venters, so you have to listen. Uh-huh. And but I also tell men, I tell women that men are fixers, so you have to let them give you a, a solution. Now, what you do with the solution is up to you. Uh-huh. But more than likely, they're going to give you one. Yeah. So just yep. take it. Just take it. And sometimes the solutions are pretty good. Right. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Okay. Now. 
move on to intimacy. This is something that I believe I had total misconceptions as I'm reading some of these fact-finding things that I found today. I was like mind-boggled at how little sex many couples have. I really kind of expected it to be ongoing. So what's your input on that? Well, what I found with the couples is that they start off, of course, having more sex in the beginning Mm -hmm. of marriages, Mm -hmm. and it dwindles off when you start to add work and children or just blending families and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's interesting is that still goes back to our communication (laughs) because oftentimes when it dwindles down, we don't discuss it until it's, you know, gotten to a point where you're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And so women, when it dwindles down, tends to tend to start to feel undesirable. Right. Whereas men, because we don't expect men drive to go down, but oftentimes when men get older, they don't think about sex as much or mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't perform it as much because mm-hmm. it's just not as important as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And so we have to discuss what happens when this starts to change in our relationship. Right. Well, the the male libido, is that correct, mm-hmm. does decrease as we get older, where the woman's seems to increase. Increase, yes. Do you think God yeah. really meant that to happen that way? <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's why we have to be get some younger men. No, no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what that's about. I yeah. have no idea. Well, it does yeah. add added stress because if if the husband only gives his intimacy through sex, in other mm-hmm. words, he's not a toucher, he's not a hugger, he's not a, you know, He's, he doesn't exchange touching as part of his, I call that intimacy, um, touching your mate, holding your mate. If he doesn't exchange that way, it plays real crazy mind games on the woman. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's a great point because I often tell couples, Intimacy doesn't have to be sex. And and people, especially men, for some reason, they don't believe that they could get a woman by doing things. I said, but think about you. You took her out to dinner. You talked to her on the phone, called her like 50 times a day. And for my younger couples, you texting all the time. Mm-hmm. And you did a lot of these, sat together and watched movies. You hugged and kissed. Do you know one of the first things that I have to do with couples to increase intimacy is discuss their greeting and leaving rituals. Oh, well, yeah. what do you mean? You know, like, it used to be you greet each other and you kiss each other and hug each other. Do you yes. know couples can go months without greeting each other, or when they leave, it's just like bye and nothing. So we work on those two small things first. Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, I'm a hugger. I would have a difficult mm-hmm. time with somebody didn't hug. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's mm-hmm. really important. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I tell them when they come in the door, what would, I ask each of them, when you come in the door for the male or whoever, you know, the partner, I ask each partner, which one, what, what do you feel, what would you want as a greeting when you walked in the door? And I get them to discuss it, and then we get to see, can it happen? And if they say yes, then we make it happen. That is their first assignment is wow. to, to do their greeting behaviors. And then we do the leaving behaviors. 
And that actually improves people's relationships a lot, just that simple activity. Right. Well, that's a very good in- form of intimacy. I mean, it, it, it at least begins the process. Mm-hmm. I think our only instruction was to have a date night, and that wasn't very warm and fuzzy. To have the intimacy start after such an estranged environment that we we had lived in for a while, because we went to three different therapists in East Texas and didn't <clears throat> have really great success with any. Where were you, Dr. Arcella? Where were you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, there's such a need for somebody to call it like it is. Yes. Which is what yeah. I'm hearing you tell me. Right. Yeah, cause, and that's why I told you when I asked that first question, do you want to be married? Because I'm like, if you don't want to be married, we're going to waste our time here. We really yeah. are because I am, the, the type of work that we do is, is action-oriented. So mm-hmm. if I say let's, let's get a, a greeting routine, I'm expecting it to happen. You know, So it's right. not like we're just going to sit and talk for years about this. No, it's going to happen. If you want it to happen, we're going to change it. Right. I heard and this one. I heard this one therapist doing a couple's retreat, and what he had them do the very first night is to go into the bathroom and change the direction of the toilet paper, you know, from rolling down to rolling on top, the way that it came off of the roll. And and so the next day, he asked the people who did that, how many of them did that, or the next week. And, you know, some of them did, some of them didn't do it. And he says, those that did not do it, you might as well collect your check at the back of the room. Mm-hmm. Because this is going to be work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be easy. Just go right now and save yourself time and money. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, my gosh, that is so great. Mm-hmm. To really put it where it needs to be. This is work to get it you back is. to a base. And I think that therapists have had that, uh, people think of us as just sitting on the couch listening to the same problems over and over. No, we now, and the the therapists that I train, we are very active. We are, I don't see clients over six months. So if you can't get something done in six months, it's not going to happen. Oh, that is so great. Oh, that's really, really wonderful. All right, I want to complete or finish. We're going to move from intimacy, which both of these topics, all three of these topics, we could talk an hour apiece, if not more, you know, particularly if we were a group of women all in a room. Wouldn't that be fabulous? (laughs) Oh, yes, I love it. Oh, yes. So the third one is trust. So tell us about trust. I think of trust, and I immediately go to uh, uh, an affair. But you you were very clear about there are different kinds of trust. Yeah, and, and you know, of course we know that affairs are, are a big problem in some relationships, but mm-hmm. actually people lose trust before those type of things usually happen. Right. And the trust that I usually have to work with couples on for the women is trusting, and, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, Joyce, when you said, I wanted him to fix the car, but I didn't, I took control of it. Yeah. And so if you were working with me, I'd talk to you about why would you feel like you couldn't leave that with him? Why would you, so, so a lot of times we can trust people with certain things, but we don't trust them with our hearts. 
And right. so to have a relationship, you have to trust someone with your heart. And uh-huh. so sometimes that comes from the individual, and it doesn't have anything to do with what the other person does. Ah. It doesn't do. Right. All right, we'll call for my time later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be coming to that mastermind workshop. <laughs> so the trust that you're talking about is not uh, trusting that they're going to show up at the children's play that night. It's a little more, it really starts with other types of trust. Yeah, I think it's all, it builds on each other. So, yeah, it is, I have selected a person to spend my life with. Yeah. Do I trust that I can do that? Do I trust that they will be there that whole time? And mm-hmm. then you start to add those little pieces. And if you started off not trusting anyway, when you start to, they don't show up at the play and they don't do this for you or you don't, and they don't mm-hmm. do this or do that, then it adds, and then we throw a fair in there, then we, it's gone. It's over. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and trust, I tell, but one thing I tell a couple of those, trust is the hardest thing to rebuild. There is no such thing as a relationship without trust. It doesn't work. It's not possible. It's not possible. Well, how successful are people at rebuilding trust in a marriage? Um, It depends on how damaged it is. I have seen... Oh gosh, it, that's a tough one because it depends on why you don't trust. So if you if you don't, a lot of the couples that I have now lately have didn't have infidelity issues, which was which which was good. It was easier, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's still hard if you fundamentally don't trust people anyway. You see, oh, so okay. it's hard if you don't want to give. You have to be vulnerable in relationships. You have to give something, and so if you mm-hmm. don't want to give anything, then. It's going to be very difficult. So I would say for that type of person, mm-hmm. that probably the rate of success there might be about 50, 60%. Yeah. But now, the infidelity is a whole nother issue because you actually have to do whatever it takes to build a trust there. And a lot of times people don't want to do that. They don't want to do no. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, because as soon as you go outside the house and you're not in that person's presence, <laughs> mm-hmm. they all kinds of things start to run through their mind. Right. And so a lot of times people after a while say, well, I, they can trust me now. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. It has to be a building up. You have to do whatever it takes to build it up. Yeah. Well, I've always believed and and talked with women that, when the affair, if an affair happens with another person outside the marriage, that that the problem didn't really start with the action of the affair, but it started exactly. earlier in the relationship. And so exactly. that's what you're saying as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it usually has something to do with the communication and the mm-hmm. intimacy. Mm-hmm. And trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the tr- yeah, and then the trust. Yeah, mm-hmm. unless now, unless we go back and you selected someone who had a tendency to do that in the first place, which I've had women that have come in the office and they selected men who cheated on them during their courtship. Oh dear! Oh no! And they're you know they're still trying to marry them, which is not a problem because I, I I told you people can change, but the extent of their change is is limited. <laughs> yeah, and so you have to wonder, okay, what are you gonna do? 
if this occurs again after you're married. So when and oftentimes a man, it has. So when a man is promiscuous, or, or let's mm-hmm. just say man, now, I mean, no, a woman can be that as yes. well, but yes. we think of men being more pr- promiscuous, if I can say that right. Um, as I have heard in some situations that they marry and later in life, marry later in life, and that part of their life is not, uh, they don't do that anymore. Is that because of the decrease of the sexual drive? No, Joyce, because you know what? Anything that we do as humans is a choice. Mm-hmm. And so most of the time, men who change that, they have chosen not to. It's that simple. Uh, okay. It's that simple. You know, it it, it is, I have chosen, now I have chosen because we discussed it before we got married of what our relationship will be like. Do you know one of the most interesting couples I had, I asked, I had their paddles, and Mm -hmm. I asked them, you know, what did you think about affairs and relationships? And do you know one man wrote on the paddle, it's okay as long as the person doesn't find out? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, just point blank. And I had to look at it again myself. I was like, oh, And she was shocked. Like, she, because, of course, her said, no, son, you know, shouldn't that shouldn't be done at all under any circumstance. He was like, it's okay if the other person. And then he kind of laughed it off. Yeah. You know, because we both looked kind of shocked that he kind of laughed, laughed it off and erased it. And so I'm just kidding. You know, okay, see, I I was just like, okay, I don't know about that one. And, um, and I don't think When somebody said and, they were kidding, does that really... Let them off the hook. No, most most truth is in humor. Yeah, yeah. And, and that also goes back real quick to the communication piece. I often tell people, do not say something that you can't take back. You know, oh, Maya yeah. Angelou talks about how words are things, which I love mm-hmm. when she said it. She said words are things, mm-hmm. you know. And so if you start to say things that you don't mean, they still stick with people. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't, you know, and I often tell people, you know, we don't joke. And I tell that from the beginning. From him, I started doing that in the beginning of what, when we start working. We don't joke here. We don't say um, things, you know, that are inappropriate to each other, that kind of thing because of him. Yeah. But, but most times, yeah, people. So if you work with a couple for six months, you don't see any prog, or you see some, but you don't see whatever you're, gauges for progress in their relationship do you end it i mean do you just say we've had enough or how do you handle something like that luckily i haven't had to do to luckily either they will stop and they oh. i've actually had you know several couples say oh we realize we're not ready to do this oh. and mm-hmm. and they either stay together or split up i've had both of those happen mm-hmm. or I talk to them usually midway. I'll say, you know, I've asked you all to do these things. They haven't occurred, and I we try to process why they haven't occurred. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just one person that's not willing to do it. And then we then I usually will separate them, and I'll talk to the individual as to what's going on, that kind of thing. And it's sometimes that the individual doesn't want to be in the relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then we talk about, okay, then we have exit strategies. Well, what do we need to do to end the relationship so that, you know, it won't oh. end badly. Yeah. Or, but there have been times when I have talked to them, and then they've gotten it together, and we finish. So it yeah. just depends. Well, talk to me a little bit about this thing that 
happens in so many divorces when the wife of 25, 30 years go divorces or he divorces her or why is it that the div- divorcee, the woman, normally has to change her lifestyle. She goes through so many transitions in in her, I mean, it's a disaster sometimes, if financially. Yeah, and I think, well, some of that is, well, several things that happen there. The first thing, though, that I would say for the woman is, you know, when we get married and we have become, and we have kids and things like that, we take on those roles. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is when those roles are gone, we have to figure out who we are. Right. And, and we don't teach our women, we don't, in society, they don't teach us maintain yourself and right. be a mother. Maintain yeah. yourself and be a wife. And so mm-hmm. a part of maintaining yourself is, how would I take care of myself if something happened to him or something happened to the relationship? How oh, would I take mercy. care of myself yes. Most when our women kids go away? How do I, you see? And yeah. so that's just something we don't talk to each other about as women. Right. You so know, you, which is what are you your program is great because you're doing that. You're, doing, you're having those conversations. Are you suggesting women need those, to do those conversations? Oh, definitely, because we just never know what's going to happen in life. It's so unpredictable. It is so yeah. unpredictable. And mm-hmm. so a lot of women that I help, they they end up, they're lost. And they're stuck oh, yeah. because those roles are gone. Mm-hmm. You know, true. and so, it, and it takes a minute to recover from that. So that's where the finances come into play. That's where the depression and things like that come into play because mm-hmm. even if I wanted the divorce, even if I requested the divorce, mm-hmm. I still have changed a role that, you know, my family has changed, the interaction, the holidays change, right? Oh, definitely. Where do I go for Christmas mm-hmm. now? You know, what do I, you know? This is so funny. This is so funny. You know, life at this. <laughs> I realized that I would no longer lay with the family when I die. Mm. Now, had you thought about that? I wow. thought about, I hadn't thought about that until I got of a certain age. Mm. And so now I'm not in the family plot anymore. Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. that the strangest thing to think about? Now, you know, I'm not too worried about my body. I'm dead. I, I've got that figured out, though, now. I'm just going to be cremated, and the kids can take me where they want me. <laughs> uh, but it was, you know, that's one of those things that you don't think of once you start the process of divorce. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. In the mm-hmm. middle of the night, I thought about that. It was so strange. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a lot that goes on. So yeah, and 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 the thing is, just they don't have programs like this to listen to, or we don't talk to each other because uh, for some weird reason there's still some stigma around divorce, and also mm-hmm. there's still some I'm not going to share my business with anybody else kind of thing. Yeah, and so that's why we started having the retreats because there were women suffering in silence. Oh, definitely. I think the saddest thing is when a woman is in a very um, sad place, a struggling place with her marriage. Her marriage is, you know, really over, maybe. 
Uh, it's hard for me to say that. She would have to say that. But she's not happy. She's very sad. And yet she chooses to stay in that relationship out of fear of leaving because she does not believe she can take care of herself. She'd get a good settlement. She'd so many things keep a woman living in that type of environment. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and what I try to talk to women about is you. if you have to stay, mm-hmm. we still can do something for yourself while you're there. Yes. You, you, you know, is there a way you can save up some money? You know, I actually have had women, we made a plan. Yeah. We have made a plan. What can we do? Or how can you still maintain your sanity in that situation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to be there for a while. Right. And we and hopefully I'll come back and we'll talk about parenting at some point, but a lot of women stay for the kids. And oh, you are interesting. So right. Yeah. Is that the kids know, they know. That's one of the things in my book. The kids know what's going on. And I've actually had women whose kids have told them to go, mm-hmm. hey, mama, let's go, because mm-hmm. it's not working out. You know, you're not happy, yeah. uh-huh. and the kids are uh, unhappy, and, you know, you're arguing and things like that. It's okay. The kids will be okay. Well, I did go. I was at another workshop. You, you, I love workshops. Um and the woman and I got into a conversation, and she said, I remember it very clearly, she said, I stayed in those three relations until my children got through school. And then mm-hmm. she went through a divorce. So you're so well, right. And you know what I learned about that? I, you know, I'm a professor as well, and mm-hmm. I teach teachers about child development. I teach adolescent development. And one of the things in the beginning of my classes, I have them do what they call a cultural quilt. And mm-hmm. I tell them about, I have them tell me about their family. And do you know, I have had many students to stand up and say, my family is this way and my parents were married until we went to college or until mm-hmm. we left the house. Mm-hmm. And they were still upset about it because they said they felt like what they were living or their life was a lie. Oh, they felt like yeah. that the happy marriage and parents they had was it was a lie that they had been lied to. So they were still upset. Yeah, when the parents stayed together. Well, you know we are coming to the end of our time together, and I want to tell you that I have loved this conversation. It is so need. It is so needed that we talk about this, Doctor Arcella, and I love the work that you do. I. I admire the straightforwardness that you bring to your your therapy with your couples, and uh, it's needed. You know, we can't just keep dancing around the problems, as I experienced. We need straight-on confrontation almost uh, to cause us to stop and think about where we are and what we really want out of this life. Mm-hmm. So I love what you do. I I know we met for a reason, and I am thrilled that that re- part of that reason is that you could come on my show and we could share this with the listeners today. So please tell them how they can get to you if they have more questions, if they want to know about that retreat in April in San Diego. Uh, would you give us the website again? 
Yes, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I do agree that nothing happens by coincidence, and the work that you're doing is just so awesome, and so I'm glad and I'm grateful that you let me be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And I can be reached at drtrimble at peakdg.com, and also my number is 610, no, I'm sorry, 678-310-8080. And so I would love to hear from you all. Well, it's really gone by way too fast, and so I appreciate that you've spent this morning with us and that we can give us some, you've given us things to think about and a real desire to direct people toward you as well as if if I were in a marriage that was shaky, I would definitely be calling you on the phone <laughs> for sure. Because no matter where you are, you work with couples all over the United States. Oh, yes. We do it on the phone. We do it on video. But I like the video because then I can do, you know, we can use I send you the stuff that you need, and and we make it happen. Cool. Well, thank you very much. This has been such a pleasure talking with Dr. Arcella Trimble. And she's another one of the movers and shakers in leading We women, (laughs) through all of our transitions, she can support you. She can help you, as I can, through the work that I do as well. So it's JoyceBufordEmpowers.com. So either of us, call us, find us, let us help you in your transition. Thank you for being with us today. It's been a pleasure. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com forward slash services. Join us again in one short week for another edition of Second Wind with author and coach Joyce Buford.